The Truth News Network. On every continent, in every capital, at colleges, universities, wherever solid thinking stands against the tides of insanity, there is one voice, a beacon, a light in the murkiness of political swill. From TNN, the Truth News Network, comes that voice, Dan Newman. One thing is for certain, even though we dig, we hunt, we search, We can't find all the answers as hard as we try here. And I know many of you, if not all of you, are doing the same things collectively with us at the same time. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. Welcome to our Thursday edition. That's right. It's Thursday. God, this this week is going by fast, don't you think? It's January 11th. We're almost halfway through the first month of 2024, and we've got the first caucus coming up Monday, Monday night up in Iowa, where we are told if you factor in the cold factor, the wind factor, when Iowans step out to go to their caucus that evening, Monday evening, the wind chill factor Put all that in together, it's going to be about 50 below zero. Now that, my friends, is a commitment for your candidate to support whoever you think should be the next president of the United States. Oh my gosh, those are my heroes. Those people are going to do that. Have you ever been at really way, way, way low stuff? We lived, the only time we've been outside of Louisiana, we went to Indianapolis back in the late 80s. And we're in radio up there for two years. During one 10-day stretch in Indianapolis. Now, Indianapolis doesn't, doesn't seem like it's, you know, really way up north. Well, it's not really way up north, but sometimes it gets really, really cold. We went through a week, one complete week. And I was in radio, so it was important on the air all the time we told people, don't go out and stay outside because it never, the real temperature never that week got up to, up to zero. And we had wind chill factors that the wind chill, you factor that in with the real temperature, 60 below. I've never felt cold, even skiing through the years. I've never felt that kind of cold. I, I like it cool. But I don't like it cold. Maybe the older you get, you get feeling that way. I don't know why, but anyway, I thought I'd throw that in. We've got a big election coming up, and it seemed just a couple of weeks ago like, oh, that election, that's not until next year. Well, a couple of years ago, that would be the facts. It, It was still 2023. But here we are having the first caucus of the 2024 election. And it can only get bigger and wider and louder and more contentious. And talk about contention. We had last night, we had a debate one-on-one, and it was a war. (laughs) Haley and DeSantis, they got after it. I mean, it was ugly. And I don't like debates in which the debate rules by the moderators are not enforced. I can't stand this Pee Wee Herman stuff. I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? 
That's what that was. And I mean, they both dislike each other tremendously. But you know what was kind of cool? You're going to hear a little bit of this in a few minutes. Donald Trump was on the stage solo. Fox News had a town hall event in Des Moines, and they opened it up to people that were Trump supporters and people that were just Iowans that were trying to get all the facts about all the candidates up there. And I saw and watched. I happened to watch this one. It just worked out timed, timing perfect for me to sit down and watch most of it. I didn't see all of it. But Donald Trump was actually pretty mild and pretty cool. And Donald Trump's going to be Donald Trump. And he was last night. But I don't remember him being anything like he is now, at least if last night is an indication of his uh, his demeanor. I've never seen him that cool, calm, and collected as he was last night. Maybe it's because he's got a few more things on his plate this go-round that he did in 2016 and in 2020, my gosh, everybody wants a piece of Donald Trump. <laughs> and he's the only one in this race. If you factor in all the uh, all of the candidates on both sides, including, by the way, our President Joe Biden, Donald Trump is the only one of all of them that has a great, great history behind them at running this nation and being successful in doing it. And you know what I think is cool? That resonates more every day as these people in the hitherlands around the United States are meeting these candidates. And every one of them, they know, to get the nomination of the Republican Party, to get the nominate, well, we're not going to have a nomination process in the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party's already given that to Joe Biden. But as conservatives across America are seeing the now Donald Trump, knowing the way he messaged before, in which he just diminished and demeaned everyone, he's still, he's telling the facts. And he's not constantly patting himself on the back. But you know what? He can do it. He earned the right. His track record as president's pretty good compared to the obvious opponent on the other side of this thing, Joe Biden. You're going to hear a little bit about and from President, former President Trump in just a little bit. In fact, we'll do that as our first get-together here in just a few minutes. But as everyone's logging on from around the U.S. and many around the, the world, we want you to sit back and enjoy a little Southern rock and roll how about this? Remember this? Ooh, I like that. Rumors spreading round in that Texas town. About to check outside the game. You know what I'm talking about. Just let me know if you wanna go to that whole mile they got a lot of nice girls. I'm
and CC Top. They had their own style of music. They really did. I'm not a real big proponent of the squealing guitars and stuff like that, but I like the songs that they have done in their career in rock and rock and roll music, and they have a very distinct sound. Now, there are only a few people out there in contemporary music that can say that, where everything they do, perform, record, it's got their own brand in the sound. ZZ Top's number one, number two for me, and maybe it's number two being number one, the top two, ZZ Top and the Eagles. And I like both of those bands and the sound that they had. It's just unique, and they write really good songs that have meaning to them. Anyway, thank you so much for being here today. We've got a lot of things to get into. I, uh, In the opener, I told you about at least a little bit of the context of the Fox a Town Hall meeting get-together with former President Trump last night. It was, it was really eye-opening, and in just a minute, we're going to let you hear some of it. And I think it'll answer some questions that many people have. He did come out when asked specific questions. He didn't dodge anything. He went right to the heart of the matter and answered the questions. And some of those questions were ones that many of you probably have had for him as well. But we got some financial numbers out overnight for the month of December. And guess what? Inflation went up. Yep, it went up. Even as the Federal Reserve is projecting interest rates cuts by the end of the year, usually inflation doesn't rise until they start raising those interest rates. But they're guessing, and this time they guessed wrong. The Consumer Price Index, called the CPI, which is a a broad measure of prices on everyday goods, increased 3.4% on an annual basis last month, compared to 3.1% in November. So it went up. And that number is above expectations. Everybody thought it was going to be, or the experts thought it was going to be a little increase. Instead of 3.2%, what they thought, they got it 3.4%. Now, according to the BLS core CPI, That's the number that excludes the real volatile categories of energy and food. It stayed pretty high, rising 3.9% in October compared to 4% in November. And here's some explanations. I love to hear these when they come out with these numbers that look bad. Now, who does this? Well, this particular number is prepared and it's observed by a lot of experts. So whoever's in the White House at the time just can't automatically throw numbers out and say, oh, these are facts. Sometimes they're a little bit different. But they always, when the numbers are bad for the existing administration, they come up with some reasons. It was unseasonably warm in December, and that boosted gas prices, enough to send the monthly headline number up a bit. That's from Peter Earle, who's an economist at the American Institute for Economic Research. Disinflation is continuing, he said. But the last percent or two down to the Fed's target range are going to be tougher 
to nail down. Shelter contributed the most to the monthly gain, with prices rising half a percent for the month, 6.2% for the year. Prices for energy up 0.4% for the month. That reverses the trend of declining energy prices that stands as down 2% for the year. Prices for motor vehicle insurance continue to go up, rising 1.5% in the month following an increase of 1% in November. The index for food, similar increase last month, 0.2%, totaling 2.7% year over year. So what are the experts saying? Well, it's not great. It's not what we want to see, but it's not It's not like it's blowing up. Our economy's not blowing up. But we are still fighting inflation. Everybody wants to point fingers to who is responsible and what actions have been taken that have made this inflation thing go up. Well, you can always say the people that make all of the spending policies are the primary culprits for that, and that would be a combination of the U.S. Congress and the administration, the Biden White House. Plenty of places to place some blame. So why don't we do this? Why don't we do some of the highlights of the Trump Town Hall? Fox News put it together in Des Moines, Iowa last night. It wasn't a debate, but a town hall. So you got to hear... A little bit more of the Q&A. The crowd, members of the crowd, actually got to stand up and ask the former president specific questions. So Maria Bartiromo, she kind of did a roundup of all of this first thing this morning. You'll hear the president and some of the answers and that panel that was with Maria this morning, their explanations for some of this. But if you didn't see it last night, you really need to hear it. And it is time for the hot topic of the hour. We've got four days to go until the Iowa caucuses now. Uh, we've also heard former President Trump calling out his primary opponents at his town hall in Iowa last night. Take a listen. I think you look at Joe Biden, it's bedlam. You have a man who can't lead. You have a man who can't find his way off a stage after he makes a speech that lasts for about two minutes. They have chaos at the border. They have chaos in the military. People are going woke. He can't put two sentences together, and he's representing us on nuclear weapons with Putin and Xi. You like Ron DeSantis, but he wouldn't even be around today. He'd be working in a pizza shop or perhaps a law firm if I didn't endorse him. The biggest fan of Dr. Fauci was Ron DeSanctimonious. He was a big fan. He said... I go by, exactly, quote, I go by what Dr. Fauci said. She doesn't have what it takes. She'll be creamed in the, in the election. And, I mean, I know her very well, and I happen to believe that Chris Christie's right. That's one of the few things he's been right about, actually. All right. <laughs> President Trump unloading last night, Kaylee. What do you make of it? Well, it was really interesting to flip back and forth between his town hall and then the debate between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, because Trump actually came off across as the cool, composed and collected yeah. one. Um, if you watch the screaming match between DeSantis and Haley, which did nothing except solidify that this is a primary for second place, it came across as honestly a bit immature on both of their ends. And the thing that Trump kept hitting home is obviously 
obviously he got a few jabs in against his primary opponents. But the number one name that he kept repeating over and over again was Joe Biden. He understands that this is a referendum on Joe Biden and his failed agenda. That's how he's running this campaign. And the one message that he made very clear to the town hall members last night was that his agenda worked. Four years ago, they were better off than they are now. And I think that message really resounds. And maybe there would have been an argument for DeSantis or Haley if you know, the poll showed that Trump was struggling against Biden. But that's not the case anymore. You look at a recent poll that came out this week in my home state of Michigan. Trump is up above Biden 47 percent to 39 percent. That's a significant swing from 2020. So really, the, what is the argument against Trump at this point? Mm, yeah, it's great, all great points. What are you saying? Well, first of all, <clears throat> Pizza Hut in California pays $19 <laughs> an hour. One of my buddies sent that <laughs> over to me. Now, I know Ron DeSantis is in Florida, so you know maybe it doesn't pay 19 oh bucks an hour God. in Florida. Um, <laughs> we'll be neighbors th- with Gavin Newsom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought Trump did a, a great job. And, and two of his strongest points, number one, when he said that there, he was not going to seek retribution, and reverse weaponize the DOJ. I thought that was a strong moment. He got some loud applause for that. We need to stop this. We cannot continue to go back and forth tit for tat um, and continue to weaponize the DOJ one way or another. So I'm glad he said that. Yeah. The second thing that he, that he said, and I don't know that he did the best job explaining it, but he explained what he did from a stimulus standpoint when COVID hit us. And mm. The problem with COVID is all the governors shut down small businesses. They said you can't open your doors, you got to shut down. So the, the, the solution to fixing that problem was to give businesses enough money, the money that they were losing out in revenue so they could continue to make payroll. Once you were insured, the businesses had the money and they could make payroll, there was no need to drop in a consumer's lap. Mm -hmm. That is what led to inflation, was the massive amount of fiscal stimulus paid to consumers. And and we wonder if that COVID money sort of allowed uh, the economy to appear stronger than it actually was. Because now, this morning, you know, we're talking about, well, where's the COVID money now? Jamie Dimon, in my interview this week, said the COVID money is running out this week, uh, this, this year, rather, pardon me. And As a result, we could actually tip into recession. Another thing to note, Mike, is in Iowa last night, former President Trump hinted at his running mate. Here's what he said. Who would be in the running for vice president? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you. We'll do another show sometime. What about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with any of them? Oh, sure, I will. I will. I've already started like Christy better. I don't see it. I don't see it. That would be an upset. Christy for vice president. You know, Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce. Now. <laughs> so he said he knows who it is, Mike, but he's not telling us. Yeah, um, you know, I've heard rumors about the short list include Christy Nome. Um, my favorite for him would be Ben Carson, more so because of his style. Um, if, you, if you think about Trump as a more bombastic type character, uh, just like Mike Pence was, a lot more even keeled, mm. a lot more uh, articulate in the way that he expressed things. Uh, ben Carson would be that, that pick. And since the Iowa caucuses eight years ago, when Ted Cruz uh, did the robocall, to try to convince everybody that Ben Carson had dropped out, which allowed Ted Cruz to, to win that. Uh, ben Carson has been firmly on Team Trump. You didn't have any problems with him in the last administration. You can see the real difference in this campaign and how this Team Trump has been running now. There's no leaks. 
right? It, it is a tight team of people that believe in the agenda versus people like, say, Nikki Haley, uh, who cozied up to him just to undercut him at every step of the way. Wow. So it's um, it, it, it's a lot. It's it, a lot of reasons to be a lot more enthusiastic about Trump this time around. Yeah, it's great. Great conversation here. We're going to keep it going. You like to get some uh, analysis like that every once in a while. If you turn on to the uh, the other side of this conversation, places like CNN and MSNBC, it's all negative when you talk about any conservative. They never give any conservative any credit for anything good that happens and has happened in their rearview mirror. Even Donald Trump's four years as president. People on the left give him credit for nothing. And I got to be honest, I have to say this, I'm supposed to be impartial, but my life during those four years, top to bottom, was far better than what it was before Donald Trump became president. Who was president before Donald Trump? Eight years of Barack Obama and Joe Biden. That says it all. Policies, the way people run things, the way the things they run look to citizens in this country and also to leaders and citizens around the world. They're looking to the United States for answers. Well, we've got a bad thing that happened over in the Mediterranean this morning. Iran seized an oil tanker, an oil tanker that is linked to the crisis between us, the United States, and Iran. Iranian forces seized that tanker in the Gulf of Oman. I said the Met. I'm sorry. It's the Gulf of Oman. The seized vehicle, previously known as the Suez Rajan, was once at the center of another dispute between us, the U.S., and Iran, and that ultimately saw the U.S. seize over one million barrels of Iranian crude oil. Armed Iranian soldiers reportedly boarded this vessel this morning. The U.S. and other Western navies have been combating Iran-backed terrorists in the Red Sea for weeks, but Iran itself has not taken direct action before sending one of its naval vessels to that region. The U.S. Navy has shot down a bunch of missiles and drones that were fired by Houthi rebels, Houthi rebels based in Yemen, an Iran-backed terrorist group. U.S. Navy helicopters fired on and sank multiple Houthi small boats as they attempted to hijack a trade vessel last month. Iran deployed the Albors, an Alvand-class destroyer, to the Red Sea on January 1st. That vessel has been part of the Iranian Navy's 34th Fleet and patrolled the Gulf of Aden, the north of the Indian Ocean, and the Bab el-Mandab Strait as far back as 2015. Iran's seizure of this boat comes just one day after the Houthis launched their largest attack to date on international shipping lanes in the southern Red Sea. January 9th, about 9.15 p.m. local time, the Iranian-backed Houthis launched one-way attack UAVs, anti-ship cruise missiles, and an anti-ship ballistic missile from Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen towards international shipping lanes, where nobody's supposed to be able and is not. It's a violation of war if you attack somebody that's in international waters. 
When has Iran ever worried about having permission to do something when it comes to attacking somebody? They don't. They don't give a rip. Now, if we had a different president in the office that was going to be honest, make claims, say what he's going to do if somebody does something that's illegal internationally, it would be a different story. But we have a president that nobody's afraid of. Nobody's afraid of Joe Biden. Nobody believes when he says, if you do this, I'm going to do that. Nobody believes it's going to happen because they've never seen it happen. Talking of of big game, it's absolutely childish to even think about it. Barack Obama and Joe Biden, they did it for eight years together. Donald Trump comes in immediately. People around the world, leaders that had stepped up to and uh, just aggravated Barack Obama and Joe Biden. When Trump became president and they saw who he was and how he was going to govern and that he was not going to allow the United States of America to be taken advantage of like it had the previous eight years, they all took notice and they messed with Donald Trump one time, foreign countries. And they quit doing it because he held them accountable for that. You know what I'm talking about. Soleimani, that Iranian general, the biggest general in the Iranian army. They killed an American journalist. Donald Trump took Soleimani out, and that was the last interactions on a military basis between the United States and the nation of Iran until guess who? Joe Biden shows up at the White House. Well, what else is going on? You know, this Chinese thing, it's really become, and probably has been for a long time, we just didn't know it because the administration, the Biden administration, wouldn't talk about it. Joe Biden's obviously hooked at the hip with Xi Jinping in a lot of ways, and that has affected an impact the way he has governed as president Regarding all things China, there's a scary, very scary piece of information about China involvement, direct involvement in the United States right now. Right now. And it just slipped out a few minutes ago. Details up next. As the sum of each generation before it, the next generation Corvette stands alone. As the new standard of precision and performance, of engineering and technology, of everything that makes an icon an icon, and a Corvette a Corvette. The world tells you to wait that waiting is polite and good things will just come. But if I waited to be invited in, I never would have stood out. If I waited for change to happen, I never would have made a difference. So make the first move. Don't wait to be told your place. Take it. Don't wait for people to find you. Find them. In work, 
in love, in life. And most of all, don't wait to be given power because here's what they won't tell you. We already have it. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Conservative thought, not just talk. At TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. How long ago did we first learn that the Chinese were buying up land all across the continent of the United States and probably other parts of North America? I can bet you they're doing the same thing up in Canada. We didn't hear about it until just recently, maybe the last year, year and a half. Why was it so quiet? That would seem to me to be a really big deal. I didn't think foreigners could own American land, especially those that are our enemies, which China is really our number one political foe on the planet and has been for a while. But then all of a sudden we're being told, hey, we got to be careful. Chinese people are buying up American land and very suspect that a bunch of the locations they're buying are directly adjacent to or close, very close to U.S. military installations. Well, guess what just popped up? Second largest foreign landowner in the United States. It's a Chinese billionaire. It's been determined, by the way, this guy is a member of the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party. His name is Chen Tinkua. He's a founder, the chairman, and the CEO of global investment firm Shonda Group. And that group owns about 200,000 acres of land in Oregon. Now, this has been confirmed according to the U.S. Land Report. Chin also has ties to the Chinese government just straight up there, not just the party, ranging from CCP membership to executive roles in the CCP-affiliated organizations. This has all been verified. In 2015, Chin bought 198,000 acres in Oregon. Did you hear the date? 2015. The $85 million purchase made the Chinese national the 82nd largest property owner in the U.S. and the second largest foreign U.S. owner. Second only to a Canadian family who owns about a million acres of Maine. Oregon's Bull Spring Skyline Forest accounts for about 33,000 of Chen's acreage. The forest is located west of Bend, Oregon. It's home to springs, creeks, timberland, and wildlife. Well, Oregon Republican Representative Lori Chavez de Reamer said she was deeply concerned that some individuals tied to the Chinese Communist Party are buying up timberland, which is one of our most precious 
and finite resources. And of course, this is Oregon where there is lots, lots of timber forestry that we have to have for our lumber needs around the U.S. Foreign ownership of U.S. lands is a serious problem that has rightfully sparked unease among farmers, ranchers, and foresters across the country. That's again Chavez de Reamer. Jen also owns several urban properties, including the Vanderbilt Mansion in Manhattan, the Sealy Mud Estate near L.A., and a 150,000-square-foot research facility. This one scares me more than the others. A research facility at Caltech. And it's called the Chrissy Chin Institute for Neuroscience. And each of these properties are worth tens of millions of dollars. Chinese ownership of U.S. land, in particular agricultural land, has come under increased scrutiny from Republican governors who see it as a potential national security threat, you think? Several states, including Florida, have taken legislative and executive action to ban Chinese ownership of U.S. farmland, the most recent being in Missouri, Missouri Governor Mike Parson's January 2024 executive order that bans these purchases near any military installation. One of the Chinese Communist Party's goals undermine and weaken America. I mean, that's common knowledge. They tell everybody around the world that. They tell us that. This includes instances where our greatest adversary continues to buy land, our land, whether it's farmland or near military installations. Now, what about Chen? What do we know about him? He's He was born in 1973. He served as a student cadre from an early age state-run media outlet, China News Service reported. Back in 1990, he enrolled in Fudan University to major in economics. The following year, he joined the Chinese Communist Party. In 1993, he won the title of Shanghai Municipal Outstanding Model Cadre Student. Chin just 18 when he joined the party. That's according to an 07 article from Communist Youth Daily. Since he joined the Communist Party, formally, Chinese media outlets and business filings have repeatedly identified him as a CCP, Communist Chinese Party member. A 2016 Sohu.com article identified him and several other Chinese CEOs as Communist Party members. Likewise, Chen's profile on the Chinese financial portal, Sina, which was last updated in November last year, also identifies him as a member of the Communist Party. How in the heck can this government, any American government, I'm talking about all the way back to whenever, how can we allow not just Chinese, but any foreign company or individual, do we not vet these companies and these people when they buy our real estate? I mean, let's face it, U.S., Real estate is not just subjective. We only have so much of it. And I know this is a huge nation, a big expanse of geography. I get all that. But it's not so much that they're buying our land. 
It's what they're buying, the kind of land, the locations of it. I think, I think it is unconscionable that the United States, the government of our federal government and state governments would even allow any foreigner, anybody from any other country buying any of our real estate, there should be a rigid, exhaustive investigation process that is demanded anytime anybody wants to buy it. And if there are any foreign ties to any of our political or military opponents around the globe, we certainly should not allow those sales to go through. Now, my question, I'm not an attorney. What can be done, if anything can be done, about the hundreds of thousands of acres that these Chinese communists already own. Now, you, we all know if it was flipped, if it was Americans going over there and buying land in China, if they even would ever let that happen, if the Chinese government thought there may be an issue and they wanted to do something about it, they wouldn't care what we thought or what we had paid or whatever. They'd just take it. Maybe we should do that. Now, I have no idea who all of this land is purchased from. I'm sure there's some private people and companies involved in that, but there's probably some political entities. But nevertheless, we need to quickly create a process, if there's not already one, where we have the total law in our favor. When somebody that is a foreign foe wants to buy our land, it can't be purchased. And even the scenario, which obviously they all would try to do, is create a corporation or a hands-off about five or ten different levels away from the actual purchaser. There needs to be transparency. We just need those people to go back and buy land in their own country. That's what I'm saying. Well, the Biden administration is spending some more tax dollars. Thousands of tax dollars. That's no big deal until they get around, you know, the multiple hundreds of billions, right? Well, these thousands of dollars, it's about empowering women. Now, that's a great cause, don't you think? But it's not women in the United States. The Biden administration is spending thousands of dollars to empower women in Yemen. Empowering women there by what? Teaching them how to use technology, even as rebels occupying their country, fire rockets at commercial cargo ships and even our own military vessels. It's in a grant. Now, granted, it is not big money. But why would our government be giving any money for this? A little over $22,000 issued by the State Department. We're told it seeks to empower Yemeni females with technology stills to improve their chances of employment, working in the tech field, or becoming an entrepreneur. This is according to a government spending database. Program is ongoing, coincides with Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen who are firing rockets every day and explosive drones at shipping vessels sailing through the Red Sea, causing some shipping companies to even stop the key trade route despite the protection of the U.S. Navy. 
Medalla Foundation, the recipient of the grant, it administers a number of programs intended to help Yemenis build technical skills in areas like programming or photography. The organization was established to help grow the tech ecosystem in Yemen, according to its LinkedIn pages. Now, let me just default back to this. This is another obvious reason that any dollars that are spent of taxpayer money, I don't care how, I don't care if it's 22000 $22 billion. I don't care. There needs to be a process at our government level, and that would fall on the backs of the United States House of Representatives. That's where all things money in the United States have to pass through. The House of Representatives has financial oversight and oversight of anything and everything across all branches of government. When it comes to stuff like this, it's got to have a look, a definite, laid-out, structured look at spending American tax dollars. It's not like we have too much money, and it's not like we're taking care of every American's needs and the needs of our government, and we're paying the bills as we go along, right? So guess what? That $22,520 to help these Yemeni females, we don't even store, they don't even call them women. We got to be, you know, correct. Why would we feel like we needed to be a part of that? There's, there's only ever, when these kind of questions come up, it can only be about one of two things, one or two things. One has to do with uh, the money involved and somebody getting a little piece of the money. That's probably number one. And the second is to garner favor with the leaders of the countries that are getting use of American tax dollars. Either one of those, it's got to be vetted and approved by our government. Well, we can't get bogged down. I mean, we, we have trillions of dollars We've got to make sure that that's all taken care of. Yeah, like $600 billion wasted on COVID-19 theft. All the dollars that our government passed out. You want some of this? Send us your information and tell us what you need it for. We're going to make sure you're taken care of. $600 billion. If you look at it from that perspective, this $22,000 is just a drop in the bucket, isn't it? Have you heard about what's going on down in Georgia? I love this story. Fannie Willis, that prosecutor down there that has taken on all of those January 6 deniers that really messed up people down in Georgia. She took it on herself. I'm going to take everybody on and start filing charges. And she did. She's got a bunch of people, and it's been kind of ugly so far. The target, the number one target, of course, is former President Donald Trump. Well, turns out Fannie's been a little more involved in stuff down there and with people down there than she should have been. And this is going to impact all the litigation and the investigations that are going on right now regarding January 6th. Here's some of the details. Fannie Willis is the DA going after Trump in Georgia. 
This is a case he does need to worry about because she doesn't like him. The jury pool in Atlanta is not going to like him. And it's a state case that Trump cannot undo even if he or another Republican wins the presidency. He can't pull the DOJ off the case because that's federal and she's local. She's from a state. And he can't pardon himself or get a Republican to pardon him for a state conviction. So he does need to worry about Fannie Willis a lot, much more so than the other state case, which is Alvin Bragg in Manhattan. That's kind of a bullshit case that even if he gets convicted on it, he's probably not going to jail. So Fannie's a problem for Trump. Enter the latest defense motion on behalf of one of the other 18 or 19 defendants down there, not Trump's lawyer, but it's all to his benefit anyway. She represents another guy, represents another guy down there, this, this lawyer, and she finds out, this is my suspicion, I have no proof of this, she finds out somehow that Fannie's allegedly having an affair with a special prosecutor she brought in. This is the lawyer who, who found out. And um, I'm gonna guess that the special prosecutor's wife possibly tipped her off because hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And these two appear to have been getting along, Fanny and her special prosecutor, um, before the official uh, selection was made and possibly before his divorce was underway. Okay, so however she found out, she found out. One of the defense lawyers for one of the defendants finds out that Fanny may be having an affair with the special prosecutor she brought in and whom she's paid $650,000 of the taxpayer's money to, which is double what any prosecutor down there is making. These DAs don't make a lot of dough. The the justices on the Supreme Court in Delaware make less than $200,000 a year. This guy, her alleged affair partner, has pulled in $650,000 in a year. And Fanny seems to be having a good time with him. According to the motion that was just filed on behalf of one of the other defendants, these two went to Napa together. They went to Florida. Dave, they were down by you. They, um, or Jamaica. I don't, they're like, the list is long. He's been whining and dining her. And this is while he's cashing all these checks that she has made possible. Now the defense lawyer is moving to have her recused from the case, to have him recused from the case, to have the entire DA's office recused from the case. Because Fanny seems to be enjoying, or at least is creating the appearance of impropriety uh, that she's enjoying the financial fruits of an appointment she made in bringing this guy in. He's getting all this money and she's taking trips with it is the allegation. She hasn't spoken to it yet. They're refusing to comment. Uh, They say they'll respond only through briefs because there's a legal brief now asking that everybody get booted. And the woman filing the, the motion says she's seen the now under seal divorce proceeding files between this special prosecutor and his soon-to-be ex-wife. And as soon as she saw them, they put them under seal. So this woman hasn't been able to attach them as an exhibit yet, but she's seen them, the lawyer has, and is telling us, trust me, they've been having an affair. And we're all gonna see these documents very soon. So that brings us to the news today, Mike. And by the way, credit to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for reporting all of this. That's where we learned about it. The news today, uh, still from AJC, is Fannie Willis is gonna get deposed in um, this divorce proceeding. The special prosecutor, Wade, um, there's been a subpoena in his divorce case to uh, Fannie, and it was served on Monday, hours before that filing in the Georgia Rico case. And now this lawyer, Ashley Merchant, who represents one of the Trump defendants, is pointing out that not only is this guy Wade allegedly having an affair with Fannie, but he's totally unqualified 
to be bringing this prosecution in the first place, which just puts the puts the final stink on the whole thing, Mike. Right? If he doesn't have the qualifications to be trying the case to begin with, then she brings him in. Her alleged affair partner showers him with all this dough. The two are off to Napa. My God, I need a clothespin. It stinks so bad. My nostrils need to be closed. <laughs> I mean, this is right out of a Veep episode, what Fannie Willis is doing down there in Georgia. She brought in, allegedly, uh, her boyfriend, who has zero experience with felony cases. She brought her boyfriend in to run a very complex, unprecedented highly political, highly partisan RICO case against a former president of the United States that ha- who happens to be the leading presidential candidate, including, and then also with 18 co-defendants, uh, including President Trump's top aides, lawyers, supporter their, supporters. This co-defendant, Michael Roman, submitted, submitted this 127-page motion to dismiss the, dis- uh, the indictment based upon this. Uh, th- there's also other problems besides... Fannie Willis getting kickbacks from her boyfriend, allegedly, in the form of these lavish trips. You also have this prosecutor, if you read his bills, he bills like eight hours at a time every day with very vague descriptions. But one day, he billed a full 24 hours. He billed every second of a day, and he put the vague description, prepared cases for pretrial, right? So you work 24 hours in a row, uh, very early on in this case. Uh, the special prosecutor, Nathan very, Wade. Yeah, Nathan Wade. Another thing that's very problematic. Here's the is, bill, by the way, for the for the, for the the viewing audience on YouTube. You can see he, he does have a 24-hour invoice. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, and he also, this is how stupid this guy is. This guy also billed for two meetings he had with the White House staff, one with the White House counsel for, uh, for, for like, eight hours, and then another eight-hour meeting at the White House before Fannie Willis brought this indictment against President Trump. So that makes it very clear that the Biden, President Biden and his White House are lying when they said that they didn't have any communications with any of these Democrat prosecutors like Alvin Bragg and Fannie Willis before they brought these unprecedented charges against President Trump, this election interference, because Nathan Wade build for those meetings. And the fact that he billed for those meetings, his meetings, his two meetings prior to Fannie Willis's indictment with the White House staff proves that they talked about Trump's indictment. Because why else would Nathan Wade have billed for those meetings if they didn't talk about what he was working on? That's a very good question, Dave. Those two dates, and we've seen now his bill, um, May 23rd, 2022, November 18, 2022, before Trump was indicted by Fannie Willis. And it says travel to Athens conference with White House counsel, eight hours on the May 1, November interview with DC slash White House, eight hours. Mike raises a good question. Why, why would he be talking to the White House and conferring with White House counsel immediately prior to Trump's indictment if there wasn't coordination with the White House on Trump's indictment. Well, Megan, let's look at the dates. The investigation in Fulton County started on January 2nd, uh, 2021. That's, excuse me, that's when the call occurred. That's what prompted the investigation. The investigation actually started on February 11th, 2021. 
And uh, so this was taking place, this investigation, a year plus prior to this this meeting. If uh, there was a meeting, who knows? This was Nathan Wade's uh, way to bill for it. He says meeting with White House counsel. But this investigation was going on for many months. And then the grand jury was meeting as of uh, January of 2022. So you're talking about many months that the investigation was happening and the grand jury was meeting. So what when you say that Biden administration was pulling the strings, this thing was already happening in the grand jury. And why did they even need to care about Fonnie Willis? At that point, when the first meeting took place, Jack Smith had already been appointed. And so this investigation at the federal level was already occurring. And let me tell you something as a state prosecutor. We state prosecutors don't want to get in the way of feds, and the feds hate when we duplicate their efforts. The feds do not want us to do what they do because it gets in the way of immunity and other issues. So to think that the Biden administration is saying, yeah, go ahead and prosecute when they're already investigating, there's already a grand jury in place, and they've already got their own federal case ready to be teed up, I think strains credulity. I, I don't think this meeting means anything. Go ahead, Mike. Well, the Department of Justice has very strict guidelines on who within the Justice Department can meet with whom in the White House when you're dealing with criminal investigations, right? So if a White House staffer can't meet with the Justice Department about a criminal investigation, how the hell can that White House staffer meet with a state attorney general about a criminal investigation? And oh, that criminal investigation just happens to be about their boss's chief political enemy. This is a scandal that the that this Nathan Wade, on behalf of Fannie Willis, billed for time when he met with the White House twice before uh, Fannie Willis indicted President Trump. This shows that there was clear uh, collusion between the Biden White House, not just the Biden Justice Department, the Biden White House and That's this how he Democrat puts it. prosecutor. That's how his his. His own bill says, conferring with White House counsel, interview with D.C. slash White House. It doesn't seem very ambiguous, and we deserve some answers on it. But I want to go back to you, Dave, on what Fannie Willis is accused of here. In, in what world would it be appropriate for a D.A. to be having an affair with somebody, to bring that person in as special prosecutor, to pay him $650,000 and then to go travel the globe with him post paying him all that money. Megan, I'm not going to defend the optics of this. Look, it, it looks bad, clearly. But keep in mind that Fannie Willis, oh, and, and by the way, I used to call her Fannie Willis too. And then I got an email from one of her friends saying, it's funny, not Fannie. So just for what it's I don't care. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so she um, had, uh, sorry, Nathan Wade has been a mentor of hers for years. They were both judges and he was a mentor of hers when they were, um, when he was a judge. So this has been going on for a while, not necessarily any affair. We don't know for sure if there's an affair, but even assume there is. Then what's, what's she doing in his divorce proceeding files if they're not having an affair? I'm, I'm going to even assume that there's, uh, even though there was no proof, if there is an affair, let's discuss it that way. So if they are having an affair, what's the prejudice? What's the problem to the defendant 
How are the defendants' constitutional rights being deprived? That's why I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. And first of all, we don't have to prove actual harm to the defendant. We can just prove appearance of impropriety, and she's misstepped. As you all know, we've all taken the bar exam and passed it. Um, So appearance of impropriety is enough. But actual impropriety, actual prejudice could potentially be argued here because she has a financial incentive to keep the case going. The more her lover alleged gets the more he has to spend on their next trip to Napa. She's also being paid for it, for this same thing. She gets paid to be- She gets paid a salary attorney. no matter what. He doesn't. Right. He doesn't get $650,000 if this case goes away. Well, the thing is, is, is the evidence there or not? I mean, whether he is prosecuting the case or someone else, the evidence is the evidence. And that's why the judge isn't going to dismiss the case. I got you on your heels. I never get Dave on his heels. He's too smart for me usually, but I got you this time. You're on your heels because you know this is deeply wrong. Mike, there's no way she's getting out of this. If what this lawyer alleges, alleges is true, she's toast. I love this story. To me, what you just heard, the details, and there are more details to it. I'm going to get to that in just a second. And this is not going to be much longer. I know a lot of people, they tune in and listen to get the highlights of things going on. But you re- this is the first time this has really come out so you can learn the details. So you know as it goes along and develops because it will go along. And it's going to develop because in the bullseye of all of this is Donald Trump. But what I love about this is these people are so stupid. You would think somebody, two judges, Fannie or Fannie, whatever her name is, and this prosecutor that she's in bed with, literally, they should have enough sense to know how to not let all of this damning information be just easily accessible to anybody. If you're going to cover up and make up some invoices to build these $600,000, $650,000 attorney bills and turn them in, that you would at least not make it so obvious that you went to the White House to meet with White House counsel two different times, and we know why they put it on the bill. They had to dummy up some invoices so they can get him that money. And his girlfriend, Fonny or Fanny, can take him <laughs> on a, on a taxpayer-funded trip, pretty big trips with $650,000, wouldn't you say? But anyway, goes out to the valley in California. This confirms what many of us have said from the very beginning. All of this Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, all of this litigation, criminality, uh, so-called criminality, and uh, indictments for the so-called criminality by Donald Trump and Jack Smith. This is all about getting Donald. That's all this is about. And at the very beginning of this investigation by Jack Smith, people got tired of hearing people like me say, This is a witch hunt. This is a witch hunt. You know, they've done it since Donald Trump even thought about running for president back in 2015. It's just same song, 50th verse, right? Well, it's getting a little deeper than that now. And it's very important that we get to the bottom of this thing happening in Georgia because 
once again, there are people high up in our federal government that have their hands in this and their signatures are all over it. Now, who might that be? Well, it wouldn't obviously be the president himself, Joe Biden. But if you know anything about Joe Biden, he's not Uncle Joe. He is a vicious, loud, angry man that demands everybody in his administration or in his business or whatever he's involved in is totally sold out to him, what he wants, what he is going to do. And don't you dare cross him at all because he is absolutely vicious. Knowing all of that, it doesn't surprise me that the White House was and is involved in this Georgia stuff. And it probably has something to do. Somebody got in Joe Biden's ear after the election, the 2020 election, the very controversial election, and the election denying and all that kind of stuff that came on. Somebody got in his ear and said, you know, this thing down in Georgia, we could really turn it into a big, big, big deal. And so they started colluding on who to get involved to make it happen. I guarantee you, Attorney General Merrick Garland, you'll find his fingerprints somewhere in this. And there will be more people that are going to get involved in this. I said that and let you listen to all of that. To tell you first, one thing, Greg Jarrett, you know him, a constitutional attorney, he said about this scandal down there that it's, I'm going to give you the, this is a quote, what he called it, a screwball comedy. It's a comedy. It's a joke. It has nothing to do with a real legitimate legal case. This case was always tainted by political prejudice, manipulated evidence, a complete contortion of the racketeering law. Yes, some of the charges against Trump in this is racketeering, but now it looks like a screwball comedy starring Fonnie Willis and her lover. It wasn't pillow talk that led to the manufactured charges against Trump. It was more than that. And I think there's probably a group of people in this administration on every level that have had meetings. We'll never know for sure, or if we find out they had them, we won't be able to access content. But people that put this big plan together. And every time somebody threw an idea into the midst of this, hey, what do you think about this? We could turn this into another big case against Donald Trump. And then they start putting the pieces together. Come up with a crime first and then go back and recreate the crime and let's plug in the people we want to get damned for being a part of this. Let's just put them in after the fact, even if they weren't part of it. That's what's been going on in this administration for every second of Joe Biden's time as president. Here's the question I'm going to ask. I don't have the answer. I'm going to let you think about it and maybe answer it. Who's the big player in this? Who's the one that doesn't call for these meetings? You know, the meetings that required 
Fanny and her buddy to go to Washington, D.C. to the White House and meet with the lawyers there even before any charges were filed. I have my suspicions, but they're just suspicions. You know, we say this all the time. If it looks like it is something and you analyze it and you dig in and you keep digging and you're looking and you keep finding the same names, that's pretty much who's involved. Spin free, collusion free, obstruction free, fake news free, gluten free. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich, and you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. with no name, a horse with no name. Now, what could that be talking about? And remember, the song came out in the late 60s, early 70s, a horse with no name. What was going on in the United States? Pretty much every sector of our government, our private life, our corporate life, drugs, people smoking dope and using other types of drugs, horse, in the vernacular of that time, a horse, that's what heroin was named. So you got this pretty sounding song, you know, innocent sounding, and they're talking about heroin, which is, by the way, always has been illegal in the United States. Sometimes you find something out and you got to just chuckle. Well, what about the saga of our defense secretary? Every day, another chapter, another revelation comes out. And it's got people, I mean, at the highest levels of government, they're standing on their ears. Dana Perino weighed in on this yesterday. 
with the scandal right now with the Secretary of Defense, I represent thousands of troops from Fort Drum, the 10th Mountain Division, who are deployed in the Middle East right now. It is unacceptable that you have a Secretary of Defense who is not transparent with the White House. So I'm looking forward to being active on that issue to deliver accountability and transparency. And I called for his resignation. Okay, moments ago right here on Fox and Friends, another member of Congress calling on Secretary Austin to resign as the administration faces growing scrutiny over its transparency or lack of it on hospitalization. We didn't know why he went in the hospital. It was all a secret. And critics also pushing back on the Pentagon's response, asking, is removing cancer really an elective surgery? America's newsroom co-anchor and former White House press secretary Dana Perina joins us now. Dana, you heard Elise Stefanik saying he needs to resign, he needs to be fired. What do you think? I think that this should have been Biden's decision immediately. I don't think that, like, the chief of staff at the Department of Defense, whose responsibility it was to alert everyone, she has called for a 30-day review. We don't need a 30-day review. We have 30-second review. (laughs) And, like, yeah, this is... And also, I hate group work, and the chief of staff at the White House has now told every cabinet secretary that they have to produce a memo by January 12th to say, this is our chain of command. This is how we... And none of that was necessary to do all this extra work there was one person who made a terrible decision. I wish Secretary Austin well. I think we all do. Mm-hmm. And I could understand how the surgery, you might want to keep that quiet. Yeah. You don't have to tell America, but you do have to tell the commander-in-chief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I... I what I'm concerned about a little bit is that this turns into a partisan thing, right? Mm-hmm. That they think, oh, the Republicans are just calling for him to resign. The initial pushback was also from Democrats, yeah. especially those on Capitol Hill. If you are on the Senate uh, Armed Services Committee, and you're the chairman, and there's a problem. Lloyd Austin is the sixth in line for the presidency. You're supposed to be notified. So I think all of those things need to happen. But there's one other thing. The press really can't stand it when there is a lack of transparency. Mm -hmm. Think about Hillary Clinton's emails. The New York Times was relentless, went after her over and over again. So we'll have to see if the media sticks with this story. I think for Biden's own good and for the good of the military, as Elise Stefanik was saying, there are troops out there saying, I could never get away with that. He had a bad lack of judgment, and that lack of judgment is unacceptable. Thank you for your service. We appreciate it. Well, our White House House correspondent yesterday really grilled (laughs) John Kirby because it's kind of like, you know, How can we trust this administration? The White House knew five days before Joe Biden did. What else are they not telling? I felt like Kirby and the spokesperson at DOD, whose name I can't remember, they are dealing with a bad set of facts and they are not trying to spin it that much. They're like, like, we get it. It's bad. And there is, however, only one person who can actually deal with it, and that is Biden, and he's just chosen not to. I mean, he, he was under general anesthesia. He was knocked out, and nobody knew. So that's a problem. Yeah. Right, what's coming up on your show today? Uh, well, you know what? Tim Scott's going to return. Uh, right. We haven't seen Tim Scott in a while, of course, hometown yeah, hero. So he'll be on, but we're talking about all sorts of things. But I think this immigration piece in particular, Dr. Siegel will be on to talk about prostate cancer and how, right. you know, we, let's use this as a moment. Uh, Andy McCarthy on all of the Trump trial issues, and then Michael Waltz on these. And I'm also going to have to talk about immigration. You guys are doing a great job at covering that story out of Brooklyn today. You want to see a blue state turn red? Do more of that. Right. No kidding. No kidding. That ending, I left that in. I didn't cut it out because I just wanted you to hear. When I heard it, it was like, oh, my gosh, we got this and this and this and this. And we don't have any answers for any of it. Back to Lloyd Austin for a second. Would we still be talking about this? if Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was white. 
wait a minute, you're th- you're playing the race card, Dan? Listen, Austin's got a bunch of crap in his past. Remember, we talked about this the other day. He was the head of CENTCOM. He was over all the U.S. military, over all of Europe, the Middle East, and Northern Africa. This was back when Benghazi happened. That was when he was first exposed as being inept. Remember those four Americans that were slaughtered on the streets of Benghazi? He was the guy that would not let the plane land in Benghazi with the SEAL team on there that wanted to go in and were ready to go in to save those four Americans. He wouldn't even let the plane land. And four Americans died. On his watch, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and Joe Biden, they put together support for a group of Syrian rebels that wanted to take Basra Assad out the king of Syria that was killing his own people. And so without going to Congress, without anybody in the government besides a few people knowing about it, Hillary, Joe, Barack gave those rebels in Syria millions of U.S. dollars, tens of millions of military hardware to assist the rebels to get rid of Basra Assad. Well, obviously, they didn't get rid of Basra Assad, but what they did, those rebels turned out to be ISIS. Lloyd Austin was part of all of that in the decision-making. He needs to go. He needs to go. Yeah, I know. He put out a statement on Saturday. He's taken responsibility for his failure to disclose his condition following all the backlash after the revelation. You know what that means. He wouldn't have said a thing. We wouldn't even know about it if he hadn't gotten caught. Now, we're not talking about, you know, somebody uh, at your high school, a group of people that this person was involved with, and this person was supposed to be doing this and that and taking care of this, and they just didn't appear for a few days. And then you find out they were really sick. They shouldn't have been given that task to do in the first place. It's nothing like that. Do you realize that with all of the crazy dictators on the earth right now that despise the United States and because of our weakness in the White House would love nothing more than to have an excuse to lob a nuke or two at the United States and have the ability to do that. People like Xi Jinping, Kim Jong-un, And even Xi Jinping, I don't think they would do that. But you never know when you deal with these sycophants that don't have a clue about reality and don't care about the cost of their own actions. I mean, Kim Jong-un, he's threatening us every few days, and we now know he is nuclear capable. What's this guy like in reality? He got crossways with his uncle, that was one of his favorite people his entire life. The brother of his father, the head of North Korea. He got crossways with his uncle, and you know what he did? He turned dogs loose in a pen and stood there and watched the dogs devour his uncle and kill him. That's the kind of guy that has a bunch of nukes. 
and probably some of those nukes already have the coordinates of maybe San Francisco, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C. But let's just say one of those nukes got fired. We have 13 minutes to take it down. If they're an ICBM, we should be able to take them down. 13 minutes. Now, who would be the person that would do all of that, implement all that, make it happen? The Secretary of Defense at the time. They didn't even know. Nobody even knew. The White House didn't know where our Secretary of State was. It would have taken far more than 13 minutes for them to find him and get him on the phone. There is no alternative other than get this guy out of the job. And it's so obvious, we need to forget about the racist calls that are going to happen anytime a Democrat, African-American person is in any kind of position in any part of this administration, if they get kicked to the curb for what they did, oh, we all know why they got kicked to the curb. It's because they're black. It's got to be racist. These people can't be doing poor jobs. They can't be. Obviously, because they're African-American, any issues they may have It's because of racism. And so if you fire them for making a misstep that could cost millions of people their lives, if you try to hold them accountable for that wrongdoing, it's because you're racist, not because of what they did or didn't do. For the sake of the United States of America and our allies, Lloyd Austin needs to be kicked to the curb quickly, and he should have already been And it shouldn't be like it's going to happen if and when it plays out. Oh, he's such a good guy, and this is just a string of things that happened, and he was in a bad place physically. He made a call. Look, he's taking responsibility for it. Now, how do you take responsibility for opening up the entire nation, our nation, and probably opening up other nations to the chance of getting nuked? and not being able to do anything about it because you weren't where you were supposed to be and didn't bother to tell anybody else where you were. This kind of crap happens all across the Biden administration in various ways every day. Let me give you another one. This one's not life and death, but yet another Democrat email scandal has got the White House called up now. A probe was launched against climate czar John Kerry that is connected to a critical resource. Listen to this. Embodying that old rules thing, rules for thee but not for me, mentality so often attributed to leftist radicals, presidential envoy for climate, John Kerry, is facing more scrutiny connected to his crusade against coal. On Friday, in a letter directed to Secretary of State Antony Blinken, House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Chair Representative James Comer from Kentucky, he has raised the alarm over private communications between Kerry, who's not a government employee. He's not an employee. We don't even know if he gets paid, how much he gets paid, 
and we can't find out because he wasn't confirmed. So that means we don't get to know what we're paying him. Private communications between Kerry, the State Department, and a leftist environmental group are two in connection with globalist plans to totally abandon coal production as with the Powering Past Coal Alliance that the U.S. had joined in December. Thousands of documents since produced to the committee contain off-the-record email correspondence, telephone calls, meetings between members and leaders of these leftist environmental groups, John Kerry, and the State Department, including PPCA discussions. That's according to Comer, having voiced concern over potential influence on foreign policy. John Kerry on foreign policy. Yeah, he was the Secretary of State, but that was a payback job, and he was not qualified. In one of the emails included in the letter to Antony Blinken dated back in March of 2021, an official from the State Department had communicated with the National Resources Defense Council seeking input on the PPCA earning a response that read in part, it has helped to drive countries to announce earlier coal plant closures through the process of qualifying to join the PPCA. So what does this all mean? Just just this past December, a few weeks ago, in a statement delivered to the United Nations COP28 Climate Summit in Dubai, Kerry said this, to meet our goal of 100% carbon pollution-free electricity by 2035, we got to phase out unabated coal, and we urge the world to join us in doing so while working to grow good-paying, clean energy jobs. Together with the PPCA, we will be working to accelerate unabated coal phase-out across the world, building stronger economies and more resilient communities. The first step, stop making the problem worse. Stop building new unabated coal power plants. This is John Kerry talking. So as Representative Comer indicated, these documents raise big concerns that confidential information related to U.S. foreign policy, U.S. energy policy, and national security policy have been shared with the people in these groups, including off-the-record meetings with envoy John Kerry. Now, Kerry's office, they won't even talk to anybody about it. They're not accountable to anybody. NRDC spokesperson Bob Deans, whose organization is vested in China, had offered, and I'm quoting, the administration has a duty to protect its citizens against the rising cost and the human devastation of dangerous heat waves, withering drought, species collapse, raging wildfires, storms, and floods. That's what this initiative is all about. It doesn't matter what you say it is about. It's a U.S. government situation that none of these people outside the government have any say-so in. John Kerry doesn't work in the any branch of government. Joe Biden created an office down the hallway for him to sit in. 
He doesn't answer to anybody. Congress has no control over anything. Members of Congress don't even know how much money is getting paid. They've asked who's working in John Kerry's office, who's paying them, how much are they getting paid, how much is John Kerry getting paid, how much money are we spending for his quote-unquote envoy operation. And we don't know. Do you think if Donald Trump was president of Congress, American people would allow that to happen? No way. They would have run Donald Trump out of Washington, D.C. way before they did. And here we are, three years into the Biden administration. And we know John Kerry's been around, and we know he's out claiming to be somebody he's not claiming to have authority and the responsibility for making decisions regarding climate change that he's not. How much more is John Kerry involved in that we don't know about? I guarantee you it's way worse than we know. I just talked about Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin being busted. John Kerry has got to go, and we have got to find out every detail about what he's done, who he has interacted with, and what kind of commitments as he made with no authority to make them. And if and when we find all that out, you can you won't believe how horrible it's going to be and how illegal the actions have been taken by John Kerry. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee signed by the man himself. Love your pizza or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President Sorry. of the United States. Let me just get this. Hello. Hey. I was just thinking about you. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Yes, I was. No, you were. That I will faithfully execute the office of President. <laughs> so, uh... What are you wearing? A president uh, of the United uh, States. <laughs> oh. Say, can I call you back? So help me God. No, so you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. You hang up. So help me God. You hang up. It's President's Day, and everybody's getting in on the special offer from Verizon Wireless. For just $25 per month, get 1,500 anytime minutes, plus free long distance. Verizon Wireless. Join in. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. 
Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Just one little uh, P.S. regarding our discussion about John Kerry. Do you know the Chinese, he went and visited with them, he met with them over there. I have no idea who gave him authority to meet with whom he met, what was discussed, and we'll never know for sure. But he demands the United States take total responsibility for any of the green energy stuff that doesn't fit within their mold of what we should be doing. And they're going around the world telling everybody, we're horrible because we're not doing it. Now, every year, Every year since the turn of the century, the United States has reduced its fossil fuel carbon emissions. Our nation has grown in number in businesses, corporations, you know, those produce green gases entities, right? Yet we've reduced our carbon emissions every year. And that's far more than any other country on the planet. And so Kerry's out there demanding that the United States cut our hands off, our feet off, and just go all in. We need to stop eating anything, driving anything. And of course, if we need any help in figuring out our transportation needs, well, we just go to John Kerry and we keep creating new opportunities and ways to spend taxpayer money for electric cars, which don't work. (laughs) They do not work. It's not plausible. So who's the number one polluter on the planet? There's a tie between India and China. So the big thing in fossil fuel, Joe, he took care of Oil and gas on his first day in office, man, he just began to beat that industry up into submission. We're going to do away with that. We're going all green. But the big culprit now in the United States, what is it? Coal. We got to get rid of all the coal. We can't have a clean environment. We can't be the righteous people. We're the number one nation on the planet We've got to be the ones that show everybody how you got to do it. And John Kerry's out there and he's doing anything and everything he can to assassinate carbon plants, coal plants. You know what fires 
especially up in the north part of the United States, across the North Point. You know what fires manufacturing, most of our industries, production, you know where that energy comes from? Even the so-called, it's just done by green energy. How do you make energy, even green energy? One of the biggest fuel sources in all of that process here and around the world is coal. You can't do away with coal. These sycophants, Al Gore, John Kerry, all of the others, none of them are scientists. None of them are trained climatologists. They're not scientists. They don't understand anything. And so they just pontificate from a perspective of, I'm John Kerry. I'm Al Gore. I'm a humanitarian. And I know what's best for this nation. And we've got to do it or we're going to destroy the earth over and over and over. There's no reality in that. The United States can't deal with energy without having coal operations right now. We may be able to fix it later. And do you know that every Monday, China opens up a new coal plant? (laughs) Why are they doing that? Because they have coal. They need energy. And they're going to listen to us. (laughs) they don't care what we think they're going to do whatever they want to do they laugh at us you remember we uh, we exposed about I guess six weeks ago now multiple pictures of these big acreage areas all across China and in every one of them there were thousands of brand new cars they're all white they're electric cars bumper to bumper side to side Thousands of them across China. You know what those are for? China, they can't sell these electric cars. (laughs) And so they've been selling electrical cars loud and long around the world and themselves as being the guys, the nation, that can make all this battery vehicle process, make it work. Look at all of them we're selling. We're building millions of them. They don't work, so they shove them out in these lots. They put them out there. Imagine the money they're spending. They put them out there, and they've been hiding them from people around the world because they want everybody to go all in. Those are facts. Sometimes I just get caught up, and I get PO'd about this stuff when it doesn't make any sense and it shouldn't take much to figure it out. But for some reason or reasons, millions of people listen to these hardcore leftists that act like, and they're the best, the most endowed. They have all the answers and they crucify individuals who have the chutzpah to get up and say, that doesn't make sense. That's not true. And when you have people that come along in government that want to be in government, that want to be in leadership, that are very qualified, they're just ripped to pieces. Look at Donald Trump. Everybody made fun of him. There's no way he could do it. He's a nut job and all this without even digging in and looking into anything. Yeah, he's loud. 
Yeah, he gets abrasive, all those kinds of things. But you know what? He's been pretty darn successful in a lot of areas, economic areas and business areas, far more than any individual that I know, and it comes from hard work. He's taken some hits. He's lost some money. He's lost some companies. But you're never going to succeed in anything unless and until you try. And he has a lot of success in his business life. So here's a guy that comes. He wants to serve the American people. And he's making these prognostications about what he's going to do to turn around the economy of the United States, businesses, take a bunch of stuff back from the foreign nations that have taken manufacturing plants and manufacturing jobs in the hundreds of thousands and millions away from the United States. He's going to expand our energy sector. In less than four years, he did all of that. Taxes, he tackled Nobody wanted to believe that tax cuts, his tax cuts were going to work. They worked dramatically. It was a almost instantaneous turnaround for most Americans. And we lived through that. We saw that. Even today, people on the other side of the political aisle, they don't give a rip about the results that legislation the successes that legislation implemented in all these areas and many more when Donald Trump was president. They don't care about the results. They hate the man. They don't want him back in the White House. And it's become such a big deal. Even media people are just going crazy. We can't let Trump get back. So the other day, down in Florida... Donald Trump was down there. They had a hearing. Actually, it wasn't in Florida. It was in the D.C. Court of Appeals. And they were slated to hear oral arguments in Trump's appeal concerning the issue of presidential immunity. The judge there, Judge Tanya Chutkin, denied two motions by his legal team to dismiss this case based on the First Amendment and presidential immunity claims. The appeal will be heard by a three-judge panel consisting of Judge J. Michelle Childs, who was a Biden nominee and confirmed in July of last year, Judge Florence Pan, nominated by Biden and confirmed last year, and Judge Karen LaCraft Henderson, who was appointed by then-President George H.W. Bush. So in preparations for all of that, two journalists were waiting for Trump to arrive the other day at the courthouse for that immunity appeal, they did not know it, but the microphones that they were setting up for their people that go on air when things like this happen and do interviews, etc., the mics were on. And they sat there for 10 minutes, two guys, and they, on live microphones, fantasized about Trump being killed which they thought when they talked about it, they laughed about it and thought it was highly amusing. That's not funny. And
And then about a month ago, if you remember, one day, just all of a sudden, all of the news, the big news media entities across the board, their reporters started talking about, in fact, one of the arbiters of truth on The View actually said this. What would be different today if back in the 1930s or even early 40s, one brave German citizen decided to assassinate Adolf Hitler. What would be different in Europe today? That was picked up. It probably was already organized and planned. But dozens of news media outlets carried that story around for about three or four days. You don't think that was a specific effort to try to plant seed in some crazy person's mind to do a John Hinckley. Some crazy person to go out and assassinate Donald Trump. They're that desperate. They're that evil right now. And this is an aside to this, but every day when you wake up, if and when you do your prayers, I would suggest that everybody whisper a prayer for the protection of Donald Trump. We don't need anybody in our government to get assassinated. We don't need that. I don't care if you like him or don't like him or anybody else. We don't need to turn totally into a banana republic where that kind of stuff is prevalent. We just don't need to go through that. But we're hearing it and we're seeing it happen and be talked about every day by people who in the past have been considered to be very honest and be conservatives in leadership roles in a previous administrations and this administration. It's kind of scary. Meanwhile, Democrats are going crazy to crack down on anything and everything they don't like. Attorney generals from 19 states and the District of Columbia in unison, urged the White House yesterday to crack down on an ammunition manufacturer. This is all led by that number one attorney general in the United States, New York AG, Letitia James. They sent a unified letter to the White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention to express their concern about recent reports that billions of rounds of military-grade ammo manufactured at the Lake City Army Ammunition Plant, have been sold on the commercial market. Ooh, that means Americans, people in other nations around the world can buy ammunition. Their letter claims ammo from the plant was used in multiple school shootings, as well as the Buffalo supermarket shooting, and asked the office to conduct an investigation to ensure it stays out of civilian hands. Now let me ask you this. Billions, tens of billions of ammunition, and they don't make a military-grade and tab it as a military-grade ammunition. They don't do that. This is a private corporation. They make ammo. They make ammo that people want and people need. It's because it's a capitalist society 
and it's based upon what manufacturers in every sector make is what people want, what they're going to buy. That's life. And, of course, the left, they don't even identify with that. They don't like what they call military-grade weapons, weapons of war, those evil AR-15 rifles, which, by definition, are not automatic rifles. AR-15 rifles, if you've got a clip and it's got 15 bullets in it and it's stuck up in the receiver in your rifle, an automatic weapon would say you pull the trigger and every it just keeps shooting. Bam, 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 bam. An AR-15 doesn't do that. You can have bullets in the chamber, in the clip, the one in the chamber, you pull the trigger one time, one shell fires. You have to put another shell up there, then pull the trigger and it fires again. Most Americans don't understand that. They see too much television. They see the rat-a-tat-tat like a machine gun when a rifle of some kind fires. AR-15 looks like a fully automatic The military version of it is called an M4. And it literally, if you've got 30 shells in in, uh, the clip and you pull the trigger and hold it down, all 30 of them will fire like a machine gun. But Americans can't own those. They're military only. So this letter that was sent, it's not about substance. It's about symbolism. The ammo targeted by the AGs is, or what they call military-grade ammunition, 5.56-millimeter rounds. It's commonly used for popular AR-15s. That's according to the Firearm Industry Trade Association. One in 20 Americans, by the way, were told own an AR-15. That's according to the Washington Post. That just sounds ominous, doesn't it? The Lake City Army Ammunition Plant's 3,900-acre facility owned by the U.S. government, by the way, operated by a private contractor, Winchester Ammunition. A New York Times article in November linked ammunition produced by the facility to mass shootings, prompting Democrats to call for greater oversight on ammunition sales. Here's my question. How could they know where a bullet came from? There are plants all over the United States and around the world that make ammo. Just saying. In the letter, these AGs said, in the short term, we ask your office to investigate the contracting and manufacturing practices that led to so many billions of military-grade rounds being sold into our communities and to issue a public report with recommendations about how to end the diversion of military ammo into civilian hands. They make it sound like somebody stole it. They're not supposed... They sell the same thing to anybody that wants it. You can go to Walmart, the ones that still sell ammo and guns, and you can buy the same stuff today, and it's been that way forever. These attorney generals don't know what they're talking about. So meanwhile, Joe's busy. Oh, his administration, they they started 2024 with a bang. 
you know, let me get, let me just give you kind of a little synopsis of what they pushed out in the way of what they want to happen and what they want to be put in place during this 2024 year. New regulations, new regulations like we don't have enough. Combined cost of those new regulations, $1 billion is what it will cost us in our American economy in the first week of 2024. That's according to the American Action Forum. The administration finalized 38 new rules and proposed 19 more between January 2nd and 5th, which are projected to impose a projected $1.1 billion in combined cost on the American economy. Beyond the monetary cost, Lax Week's regulatory actions are expected to add a combined 2.1 million hours of paperwork burden to the economy as well. The finalized, just finalized FTC, Federal Trade Commission's Combating Auto Retail Scams Trade Regulation Rule, that stands as the major regulatory move of the first week of the new year. That particular rule is going to stop car dealers from making certain misleading advertising claims about their products, while also requiring dealers to maintain records of their specific ads and their sales. This is the government, one more time, federal government getting way down deep in the pockets and the minds and the business operations of private citizens and corporations. Like anybody in Washington understands what it is. From Inauguration Day through January 5th, the Biden administration has put together 752 final rules for a combined cost of $448 billion, an additional $278 million paperwork hours. To the same point in his term, former President Obama and his administration had pushed out 1,101 final regulations that added burdens amounting to $274 billion and $185 million paperwork hours to our economy. Trump's administration, they advanced 854 final regulations over the same time period. Those rules combined to add $25 billion of additional cost and 65 million hours of paperwork to the economy. Many of this administration's regs have been geared towards implementing key aspects of a left-wing agenda that have struggled to gain more traction in Congress, such as strict tailpipe emission standards designed to incentivize the widespread production and adoption of electric vehicles and student loan forgiveness plans. Boy, doesn't it just make you feel good when you hear about all those things? President Biden, the good things that they're putting together. We don't know anything about them. We're not asked about what we think about them and do we think they need to be there. Why? Because we're not the Biden administration. They know what's better for us. They know what we've got to do, and they're going to force it down our throats. Facts and evidence is all you'll see and hear. TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. 
Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policy subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Trucker Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Let me ask you a question. You know the name Steve Garvey? Steve Garvey? Former Dodgers baseball star. Well, guess what he's doing? He's stepping up and he is running for the U.S. Senate from California as a Republican. And he's moved into second place in several polls behind Adam Shifty Schiff and ahead of Schiff's major Democratic rivals. Garvey focused in his announcement on the California of the past, a place where dreams like his came true. He also emphasized the unity aspect of sports and how California has fallen from its place as a tone setter for the country. By the way, California hadn't elected a Republican senator since Pete Wilson in 1988. But in relatively recent years, the GOP had some stars or celebrity appeal, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They've had some success in statewide elections. Few gave Garvey a chance, but he could proceed to the general election under California's jungle primary on March 5th. That's where all of the candidates from every party compete in the same pool, and the top two finishers advance to the November contest. A celebrity Republican is gaining traction in the polls. He could advance to second place and keep us from qualifying for the general election. That's a warning from a Thursday pitch from Orange County Democrat Rep. Katie Porter's Senate campaign. So the Democrats are sucking air about it now. Their distress comes after a recent political morning consult poll vaulted the 10-time National League All-Star into second place over Porter and rival Democrat Representative Barbara Lee of Oakland. A December 11th Survey USA poll has put Garvey in second. Man, I hate that, don't you? (laughs) Anybody that's conservative, I don't care who you are, (laughs) anybody, you get the job. Thanks for being here, folks. You have a wonderful day. We'll see you back tomorrow, 9 a.m. Wish I knew
was going wrong Seems so very long Since we left together It's no good To be all alone When you hurt a friend And you both feel empty What I give to erase the pain Will we ever make the grave? Is it over or shall we try again? For a brand new love affair both afraid that our love may fade and we just won't make it maybe soon we'll be friends again find ourselves and then really make it happen Baby 